Somebody tell them good morning. And all that is within me cries for you alone. Be glorified, Emmanuel. God with us. My heart sings a brand new song. The dead is paying these chains are. Change. And I like him. 
got some people visiting with us for the first time this morning and we are glad that you are here lots going on this week people all over the place we got people big group of our family are in austin area for a wedding and uh we're just glad you're here it's a special morning because uh justin and Catherine kirkwood are with us and he's going to be uh we're going to actually you're going to be able to hear some great preaching for once so uh enjoy it because next week we'll go right back did somebody whoop don't whoop don't whoop at that that was a joke i hate you all I just, that, if you're visiting with us, I'd like to apologize for saying that. I, I guess I'm kind of the Donald Trump of pastors in a way. I, you just, oh, stop. It's taking every ounce of energy I've got not to go on with four or five jokes, but I won't because next week I would be unemployed. So um, w- would you take your worship guide? We do have a few things I want to highlight. Easter is coming, Resurrection Weekend, and, and as always, it's going to be such a special time at Carpenter's Way. Um, Christmas is really the beginning of the story, and Christmas is so well celebrated that it was a few years back that I just really felt like we needed to put as much emphasis and energy into that weekend. And we started having, uh, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Good Friday, we have a, 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 a communion service, a candlelight service, a remembrance service uh, on the price that Jesus paid. That service starts at 3, like I said, and uh, we started at 3 because that is when the Passover lamb was slayed on that day. Uh, and uh, our Passover lamb had been slain that day as well. And so at 3 o'clock we meet. And for about 20 minutes, we sing some songs and we read some scripture. And then there's communion time. And uh, if you have the afternoon off, you can go on with your evening events or you can go on back to work. But it is 30 minutes, and the reason is is because we want you to be able to come. We want you to sneak some time away. That really sets up the weekend. Uh, it is, um, I have a picture that I haven't had the guts to put on because the South really likes Easter, and that's good. Uh, it likes it more than other places. But we saw the other day, Julie and I were down going to pick up Zach uh, and we went to this store, and there was a picture of a bunny riding on top of a lamb. And I thought, I got a picture of it because I thought, man, that is the perfect picture of what's happened to Easter. Think about it. Maybe I will put it on Facebook. Just think about it. Uh, the fact is, the fact is that this is our holiday. I, I know, I know it's a secular holiday. I know that, and we've hijacked it. But since we've hijacked it, let's hijack it for fully. And uh, this is uh, nothing wrong with giving your kids candy. Nothing wrong with egg hunts and stuff. But let's remember what this is about. So Good Friday is a great start to that. 
Uh, and then on Sunday morning, we are going to have a celebration like we do every year. We'll have testimonies and music, and it's just going to be a wonderful time. That morning is about an hour and 15 minutes, and we have all the kids in here above, above preschool uh, because we want your kids to celebrate with us. And so there's lots of different things going on. It will be interesting to them. And if they're a little bit rowdy, that's okay too. We're just, this is our family time. This is our living room, and we need to be together that morning. And so let's fill this room. We usually do. Uh, so try to get here early if you can. If not, there's plenty of standing room along the walls. And uh, that, that, was, that was funny right there. Uh, so, but but we'd, love, we'd love to have you join us, plan on that. Um, it's it's uh, March, the end of March, you know that. Friday, March 25th uh, is Good Friday, and the 27th is Easter Sunday. Uh, Resurrection Sunday, we call it. Don't forget, next week uh, begins our daylight savings time. So you need to... Uh, turn your go forward, spring forward. So uh, next week I will be calling each of you at 6 o'clock in the morning, which is 7 o'clock, to make sure you come. And you think I'm kidding. Hello, this is Pastor Mark. This is not a robocall. Are you awake? Get yourself a cup of coffee. Get in here. So uh, I am kidding. Again, I'm Donald Trump. Uh, so I'm not Donald Trump. I don't even look like him. Look at my hair. Gosh. I'm going to leave politics. Um, would you also note uh, that Alicia has put in here children's ministry dates for your calendar, preteen camp, vacation Bible school. Now you got the dates this summer as you're planning your, uh, I mean, it's that time of the year when we start planning our summer vacations and stuff. You want your kids to be a part of this stuff. And uh, I know that the student ministry um, camp is closed, right, Jeff? Where's Jeff? Is he in here? Probably not in here. But camp is full, I think. But if, uh, if you're looking, you could talk to the youth staff. Mark Dubose, is camp full, summer camp? Okay. So, but these are the these are uh, camp for uh, our um, our children. And look, if they've never gone, this is such a great place. So safe, so biblical. I mean, it is fantastic. So we would encourage you to uh, to be a part of that. If you have questions, talk to Alicia or any of her team or Mary or, or any of the others. Um, that pretty much does it. Uh, this week's schedule. We do have men's time out Tuesday morning, but there's not going to be Wednesday evening services because so many of our families are out for spring break. We'll start them up against, again next week. And uh, adults, I wanted to let you know that, uh, again, this Wednesday there's no Wednesday night church, but next Wednesday night we're not going to have our normal Bible study. Tori Alverson is going to be sharing her mission. Um, if you're visiting, Carpenter's Way is super mission-minded, and you'll hear more about that this morning from Justin. But for two years we supported Tori Alverson as she was in Madagascar working there. Uh, she's going to be in the fall finishing her training with Moody Bible Institute out on the West Coast, and then, uh, and then we'll see what the Lord has for her next. But she's going to be sharing what God is doing in Madagascar and what she saw and what she learned and what she experienced, uh, not this Wednesday, but, but the following Wednesday. And then the week after that, we'll get back to our study in Acts. So uh, lots of stuff going on this month. Please be involved. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward at this time for our offering. And uh, again, we're glad you're here. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that Having been with us, that you fall in love with Jesus. Uh, we want you to like us, but we really want you to know the joy of salvation. And so uh, thanks for either logging in or being in the room. We're glad you're here. Let's pray and, and commit our time to the Lord. Father, we love you. And uh, <clears throat> I, think, I think most people, when they get to know you, love you. But what really impacts our eternity is the fact that you loved us, even while we were yet sinners, uh, no matter what we were doing, no matter who we are or what we've done. No matter what our heritage, our socioeconomic status, or our sin status, you loved us enough to send your son to die for us. Uh, you weren't waiting for us to clean ourselves up. You weren't waiting to die for moral people. But you actually came to die for those who know they're a mess, and that is us. And this morning we celebrate that. We celebrate your grace. We celebrate your mercy. 
And we thank you for music that help that, that can flow out of our hearts. And we thank you, Father, for, for your word. And, and we thank you that we have Justin with us this morning that's going to be able to open your word. And, and I just pray you'll bless him and bless us. And, Father, would you just help him this morning as he, as he gets up here and he shares about Catherine and the kids and, and mostly what you're doing in his life. And, and God, uh, we pray that you would bless his efforts this morning. And, and your Holy Spirit that lives within us, you would speak to us. And, God, for those, our family members that are away, we, we got a bunch of people in Austin with a wedding, and we got a bunch of people in, in uh, Florida, Lord, uh, at Disney and other families on cruises. And we just pray, Lord, that you would bless them. And thank you for vacation. Thank you for time off. Thank you for spring. Um, thank you that the only reason we can celebrate any of those things is because you have saved us so we don't have to worry about a minute after death. We love you, Father. Thank you for saving us from hell. Thank you for saving us from just judgment. Thank you for making us your kids. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Let's read that last line, that last, uh, you put that back up there, Kip, that last, uh, that last slide. Let's read that together. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Isn't that crazy? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean sing it again oh, I stand amazed in the
seated. We're going to dismiss the kids at this time through third grade for GPS. Justin, why don't you come on up here? It was eight years ago, a little over eight years ago, uh, we were looking for a youth pastor and we got a resume from a guy in St. Petersburg, Russia. And uh, God used that to bring Justin and Catherine to come on staff here for what, four years? We had the privilege of serving together. And uh, Justin served as our student pastor and he and Catherine served well in that area. And then God a little over four years ago, called them back to Russia, where they served uh, this past season in St. Petersburg, and uh, we have been privileged and honored to have them on our mission uh, team, and uh, as you know, we really feel strongly that it is our responsibility to spread the gospel globally, and we are excited to have Justin, Catherine, and their children with us this morning. For those of you who don't know him, uh, you're going to get to know him right now. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll uh, turn it over to you, buddy. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of, of living this life on this planet to tell of our family, to talk about our daddy who loves people, who loves people in Russia, loves people in Germany, loves people in the Middle East. Father, thank you, or you, thank you that you are not the God of America. You are not the God of the Republican or Democrat Party. You are the God of people. That you came, you love us so much that you came and died on the cross for us. And I thank you. I thank you for those, Father, that you call to serve you. 
Uh, whether it be here or in Russia, Father, I thank you for Justin and Catherine and their faithfulness. I thank you for this length of the journey and the next length of the journey that's exciting. But I pray, Father, this morning that you would bless Justin as he speaks to us, that uh, you, would, you would empower him with your Holy Spirit to say the things you want him to say, and we would be encouraged and, and spurred on, Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is great to be back here at Carpenter's Way this morning. Uh, we flew back into Texas on December the 21st, uh, so just a couple of months ago, and we've been here kind of in the area uh, visiting family and speaking in churches and, and actually have been in almost a different church every Sunday since we arrived. And, uh, and it's been great to be in all those churches and to speak in those places, but it is even better uh, to be home. And uh, this really is home for us. This is the first place that me and Catherine called home as a family together. And we were here just short of five years um, as your student pastors. And then you guys sent us out as your missionaries um, to Russia, back to where we had been when you brought us home. And, and uh, it's been a really incredible past few years. But we have almost forgotten a little bit how much um, we could miss East Texas. Um, and, uh, and even being back the past couple of months had kind of not had much of a chance to remember how great it is to be here in East Texas until this weekend. Uh, we came here to Lufkin, and uh, we're with some good friends at their uh, lake house down on Sam Rayburn, and we got to you know, roast hot dogs on an open fire and catch catfish out of the lake and um, get too much sun on my face. And we don't see a lot of sun over there in Russia. And, uh, and then last night, came into Lufkin and stayed with some other friends and ate crawfish and uh, the kids had a bounce house, and so it's been really great to be home. May you never forget how great it is to live in East Texas. Um, Amen. <laughs> so, and even more so, being here with you this morning, being with our family and worshiping with you. Um, you know, we, we've been worshiping in English in churches for the past couple of months, but being here with your family, man, the worship is great. And if you, if you ever want to be reminded of how great it is, this church here, and how great it is to be able to come here in this place and worship the way you do on Sunday mornings, just go spend a few years in a different country um, where, where you don't have those same opportunities in your heart language and with, with your family, with this type of group of believers. And so it is so great uh, to be back here with you this morning and to see people we know and to hug your necks and to just thank you for the support that you've given us over the past uh, few years as we've served in Russia. Um, but let's open God's Word together. Um, I'd like to take a look this morning with you at a familiar place in Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 11. The section that we'll be talking about this morning, it begins on the Sunday of the week that Christ would be crucified. As we look towards Easter and the Resurrection Sunday service, I want to just take a moment this morning to reflect on this chapter in Mark chapter 11. The Passover festival um, was about to begin, and there are hundreds of thousands of Jews flocking to Jerusalem um, to participate in the Passover celebrations. And these celebrations were a, a week-long festival to remember their great exodus from Egypt. And many in the crowds had already seen or heard of Jesus by this point. They'd heard the rumors of what Jesus could do. They, some of them had even seen some of the miracles. And word is getting around that the Messiah had come. So these people were hoping maybe they'd get a chance this week to see Jesus as he made his way into Jerusalem, or maybe they would run into him in the temple um, this week during the Passover celebrations. And as Christ enters, he's welcomed by a crowd who's anxiously expecting his arrival into the city. And they begin to worship God, and they laid down palm branches 
at Jesus' feet and clothing at his feet as he's made his way into the city. Now, we all know the rest of the story. We all know that by Friday, things are going to change very quickly. Thursday, Christ would be taken into custody, and on Friday morning, the crowd would be shouting for Jesus to be crucified. So let's look at Mark chapter 11 together this morning, verses 1 through 7. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem and came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one else has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street tied outside the front door. And as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, What are you doing untying this colt? And they said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it as he sat on it. Church, what's going on here is really important. As we're going to see, the people in Jerusalem are awaiting for Jesus' arrival. They had this expectation that he might come. And they began to work out a plan in their minds of what Jesus might do. They thought they knew what might be next at this point. So Jesus catching a ride on a donkey as he enters the city really isn't an accident. The people were expecting and even hoping for a war. They wanted a king. And they wanted Jesus to come into Jerusalem on a horse and lead an uprising for the Jewish people. But the crowd's plan and their expectations, it didn't line up with what Jesus' plan was, what God's plan was through Jesus. And it's prophesied in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, that a child would be born, a son, and that he would be called the Prince of Peace. See, donkeys were not instruments of war. So as you see him riding in on this donkey, he's, he's not on a horse for a reason. Horses were used for conquering. What Christ is doing really can't be missed by us this morning. He wasn't on a horse or riding in on a chariot. He came as the Prince of Peace to be the Savior for all the nations. Not just a king for the Jews, but instead a sacrifice, the sacrifice for all people. The plan God had, it was different than the crowd's. And what we see in this first part of this chapter is really setting up what's going to happen in the next chapters. And it's setting up the events that Christ had been talking about since many chapters before this. Christ had not come to rule. He'd come to die. And his death, this sacrifice, would be for all people, for all nations. So some people are already thinking this morning, why are we looking at this passage? Why are we talking about this? Is this really a, a missions message? So just hang with me, because I promise you it is. All right, so let's look at the next part, Mark chapter 11, verses 8 through 11. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. And Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. And after looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. And then he returned to Bethany with the twelve disciples. So let's pause here for just a second. <coughs> Excuse me. The crowd immediately recognizes Jesus for who he is. 
the fulfillment of prophecy, the coming Messiah, the one who came to bring the kingdom that was promised to their ancestor David. But they hadn't necessarily been listening to Jesus and the things that he'd been saying about what God's plan was. And they still didn't see his real purpose. So Jesus arrives, he goes straight to the temple to take a look, and after what he sees, he decides to return that next morning. Verse 15. When they arrived back to Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, The scriptures declare... My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. All right, so we start this week out on Sunday as Jesus makes his way to the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. And as he entered, the crowd recognizes him for who he really is, the fulfillment of prophecy, the coming Messiah. And they begin to praise God, laying down branches and clothes at his feet. But things begin to change really quickly. The very next day, Jesus enters the temple and seemingly in a rage, he turns over tables. He lets birds loose. He dumps money boxes on the floor. The Gospel of John tells us that he even fashioned a whip. And he chased people out with this whip. Pretty incredible moment. So the question that we should have here in our hearts and in our minds this morning is, what in the world could have possibly made Jesus so angry? It should be very important to us to understand what it is that would cause Jesus to enter the temple and to be as upset as he was. So let's think about that for a few minutes this morning. Being a Jew in Jesus' day was expensive. First, there was the temple tax, which was required of every Jew every year at Passover. And the tax was the equivalent of about two days' wages. But you couldn't just show up and pay the tax with your two days' wages. You had to exchange the money. So another one day's wage was required in order to exchange the money into temple money. And that's why there are money changers there in the temple. But the issues didn't stop there. Every year at Passover, each family would also bring a sacrifice to the temple to sacrifice on behalf of the sins of that family. And all year, the family would raise this animal for sacrifice on this really special occasion. So picture with me this. Hundreds of thousands of people flocking to the city of Jerusalem, and they're riding on caravans of donkeys and camels and All along, they've got their families with them, and they're toting with them this animal that they've been raising all year to sacrifice on Passover. So this sacrifice that they had with them, it needed to be perfect, completely without blemish. And if your animal had any defect at all, it would be deemed not acceptable. And there were temple workers there to decide whether or not your animal was indeed perfect or not. And if these temple workers decided that your animal that you brought was not perfect, it had some defect or some blemish of some sort, then they just so happened to have some perfect ones there for sale. And so you can probably imagine how many were decided to not be perfect. 
So what Jesus saw was a complete abuse of what God had set up. Men in power were making a fortune on the backs of Jews whose their desire were simply to come, as they had been taught by their forefathers to do, and honor their family to God and worship God there in the temple by bringing their sacrifices. These men were making it difficult to come to God. But I don't think that's all that Jesus took issue with. What I really want us to consider this morning is the exact place in the temple that this is happening. See, this was set up in a part of the temple precincts known as the Court of the Gentiles. Now, while the main part of the temple was reserved only for Jewish males, there were two other places set apart on the temple grounds for people to come and worship God. The Court of Women and the Court of the Gentiles. And way back when God had called Abraham to be the father to a nation, God's intent, his plan that's being fulfilled as Jesus is riding in on this donkey, was that the nation of Abraham's descendants should be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And that intention was embodied by making a place on the temple grounds for Gentiles, a place for the nations to come to pray, to worship, and offer sacrifice. Church, this is big. This place existing in the temple for Gentiles is big. It was this area, the court of the Gentiles, that was filled with these agents of dishonesty, these agents of greed and injustice, the money changers and all of those that sold these certified perfect animals. Listen to what Jesus says when he finishes knocking over everything in the temple that day. He says, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Have you ever really thought about these words? I mean, listen again to exactly what Jesus says. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. This is actually a a quote from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 56 says this. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never be part of his people. The Lord will never let me be part of his people. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name and worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcast of Israel says, I will bring others too besides my people Israel. See, God's plan from the beginning has been to provide a way for all nations to come to him, to come freely and worship him and pray to him. So I think Christ is furious about what he sees in the temple. Not only are there people stealing and cheating the Jewish people, all the while they're doing this in a place that's set aside for the nations to have access to God. After this moment is when the scriptures tell us that the people began to plot out Jesus' death. And here's the irony in all of this. As the crowds of people flocked into the city that day, 
telling with them their sacrifices they hoped would be adequate enough to sacrifice for the sins of their family. At this very moment, Christ was also being led into the city. He was riding on a donkey. And what they couldn't see is that he was the Passover lamb this year. And for every year to come, he was the lamb without blemish. And the best part is he was free. And he was for all people, all nations. Church, usually what it takes to get a person really, really upset, I mean, truly, truly mad, the kind of angry that would cause you to flip over boxes and release birds and to fashion a, a whip and to chase people around, that kind of angry, hopefully you're not that kind of angry very often, but I can imagine if you're fashioning a whip because you're that kind of angry, that whatever that is, it's something that's very close to your heart. So everywhere we look in Scripture, we see God's heart for all nations, all people, to know and worship Him. And in this story, Jesus is angry at the religious people, these people who are making it difficult for the crowd to come freely and worship God, to worship their Father, and they're stealing from them and they're cheating them. And they're doing this in the place where God has set aside for all nations to be able to come and pray to Him. What we see here is Jesus' heart for all people to be able to come to God freely. I believe that that's what's truly close, close to God's heart, to the heart of Christ. And that should also be close to our hearts. By the end of the week, Christ would give His life as the ultimate sacrifice. He'd become the atonement that all people needed so desperately. The atonement for all nations. But right after his resurrection, he appears to his disciples. And I want us to look this morning at what he says to them in this moment. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 24. That Sunday evening, as the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. He says, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I believe these are carefully chosen words. They're some of his last. And again, this is a chance in Scripture where we get to see what's really at the heart of Christ. He's just risen from the grave. And what he says here is really important. He says, as the Father sent me. So let's stop there for just a second. So all that's been happening since the beginning of time that's led to this very moment of God sending Jesus to be born as a man, to the Virgin Mary, to live a sinless life, and then to die on the cross for the sins of the world so that mankind would have the opportunity to be reconciled to God. So all of that, as God has done all of that by sending Jesus, so now he is sending you. Pretty incredible, right? As God has sent Jesus, so now he is sending us. So our question should immediately be sending us to do what? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go and make disciples of who, church? All nations. God's heart is for all people, all nations, to have a chance to hear and respond to the gospel. So let's skip to the end of this story. A place where we see another crowd that's holding palm branches and worshiping God. Let's see where God is taking all of this. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hands. Church, this is what we've been called to be a part of. Jesus is sending us, as the Father sent him, for this very, very purpose. To be a part of seeing a crowd too great to count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing in front of the throne and worshiping the Lamb. Are we beginning to get a picture of really what's close to the heart of God? See, a lot of people have this idea, this idea of missions today, that for the most part, in the modern world, the way it exists, everywhere in the world, there is an opportunity to hear the gospel. That if people really want to know Jesus, there's a way, because of technology or the internet, <coughs> excuse me, that everyone who wants to hear about Jesus somehow has an opportunity to do that. But church, that's not been our experience. As we've lived in this megacity over in Russia of 6 million people and traveled to some 21 other, uh, other countries during this past few years, we've seen that people, millions of people, have not heard the gospel for the very first time. And actually, our past few years, we've had the privilege of God being able to, to use us to share the gospel almost every single day with someone who has never heard it for the first time. It's an incredible experience. There are roughly 3 billion people living today who've never heard the gospel first time. And that is exactly what was close to the heart of Christ. That all people, all nations, would have an opportunity to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Romans 9, verses 25 and 26 says. Concerning the Gentiles, the nations... God says in the prophecy of Hosea, Those who were not my people, I will now call my people. And I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, You are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. This is what we get to be a part of. This is what Christ is sending us to do. And this is what is close to the heart of God. Seeing people who were once not his people become his people become children of the living God. I want you to consider this morning, church, both personally and as a church, how can God use you to make disciples of all nations? And I don't just mean nations over there across the ocean in Russia or in Africa. See, we're not in Jerusalem right now where we are. And if all of us had been there that day as Christ entered the temple, we ourselves would have needed to use the part of the temple where all this corruption was happening. The court of the Gentiles. We are in 
the nations right here. There are thousands of people right here in this city, in Lufkin, who have never heard and responded to the gospel. We've just spent, we've spent about five years total living in Russia, just finished the term of three years. And uh, I want to take a few minutes this morning to tell you about the work that God's been doing um, there in Russia, and we want to share with you some photos of things that you've got to participate in uh, by supporting us and by sending us out. And I want to invite Catherine, if she will, to come up. She's going to help me a little bit with that. You're probably tired of looking at me by now, and she's much nicer to look at. You're supposed to go, ah. Okay. Howdy, y'all. Howdy. How's this work? There you go. So, okay. You, get to, you have to wait a second. I was supposed to be talking while she was coming up, and I was just watching her. <laughs> so, <laughs> Good job, guys. Thank you. So there are almost 6 million people living in the city of St. Petersburg where we've been able to live these, these five years. Um, it's the third largest city in all of Europe. And of those people, 99.9% have never heard and responded to the gospel. It's a beautiful city. It's called the Venice of the North. Some of you have been there on trips. Um, when we were here, we took a team, and then you guys sent a team right after we got there, and so some have been there. It's called the, the Venice of the North. And, and although you can find these really gorgeous Orthodox churches almost all over the city, most of them are mu museums, and the gospel of Christ is very difficult, if not impossible, to find within the walls of these churches. I was thinking about when you were talking about the temple um, I was thinking about the Orthodox Church and how it, you have to, um, you were talking about the taxes and the money changers, and when you go into Orthodox Church, you, get, you can pay for a candle and you can pay for an idol if you want to pray, and there are certain, certain different um, icons that, you know, if, you, if you're looking for love or money or, you know, different things, that you can pray to those different icons, and, uh, and you can wait in line to kiss, you know, a certain one, and and there's literally a holy of holies in the temple. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the Orthodox Church. It looks like a temple. It's, it's, it's designed in the same way as the Jewish temple. And, and there's literally, I mean, and they, they, you know, once a week bring out the scriptures to be read in this ancient Russian, um, kind of like the old, uh, uh, what is it called? The, the, the Roman Catholic Church, you know, where they still do the Latin or whatever. And it's kind of like that. The, the Orthodox Church is kind of like that. It's just super, you know, non-understandable uh, Russian that, that you're not supposed to understand, only the priest to understand. And anyways, I was just thinking about that, how they're making it so hard. <laughs> yeah. You're saying that the, the Jewish leaders are making it so hard, and I feel that way about, about the Orthodox Church. They just make it so difficult. I mean, somewhere in there, there's Jesus and, and his death and his love for us. I mean, you just have to dig, you know, and it's, it's so difficult to find it. And but. Anyways, go on. All right. So our job has been specifically working with Russian university students. Um, there's about 500 university students living in the city of St. Petersburg. And so it's the educational center of all of Russia, Moscow and St. Petersburg are. And students flock to the city to study and to search out a plan for their lives. And we've had the privilege of being able to meet a lot of those students and share the gospel with them and see uh, quite a few accept Christ and to... Um, put their faith in him and become part of the church there. 
Um, the, student, the ministry that we've been doing there that you've been partnering with us to do, we call Campus Connect. So Kip, that's where we'll start. Um, that's sort of a logo that we designed a few years ago as we began this ministry there in St. Pete. There was no student ministry with the International Mission Board when we got there to the city, and so um, that first few months, the Lord just really laid a strategy on our heart of how to reach students and has really blessed that. And through your partnership, uh, we want to share with you exactly kind of what that looked like. We've got a lot of questions about, well, what is it that you've done? How did you spend your time? And, and so this is just a, a broad view of how we've spent our time um, over this past few years. Um, we often draw our strategy as we're sharing it with volunteers who have come over and as we've had team members join us on our student team that we've been leading. Um, we draw this upside-down triangle, and we call this the funnel. And there are four parts to the funnel of how we spend our time. Um, it's crowd, core, community, and church. This is just to answer the question of, so what do you do over there? So this is what we're trying to do. This is what we've been doing, and this is how we've been spending our time. And um, so this is kind of a glimpse of what it looks like to be a missionary. And I guess I'm going to start here with, are we ready to go for yep. crowd? Um, because... The number one question that you get when you get to the field, when you get to the nations, and you're like, you know, you're going to sell your stuff, and you're going to go, and you're going to reach the world for Christ, and you get over there, and you're like, hmm, how do you meet people? I actually don't know anybody. Um, so that's what we call the crowd. That's where we spend most of our time is really just trying to get meet people and to get into their lives and to make relationships with people and to make friends and um, to let people know who we are and all this time we're living out our life and we're living out our faith and we're sharing the gospel freely. Um, and so this is what the crowd is all about. It's about getting on campus and meeting people. The first uh, picture, you, actually all three of these pictures are pictures of us doing um, uh, like English quizzes and surveys. Um, so we go, there was, this was, this was a, a big outreach that we did on the first d day of a uh, a university like assemblies and uh, we just went out and we did all these English quizzes and we have um, volunteers from national volunteers and um, we had some hands-on um, university students from America that has been spending semesters with us and you can see one of them up, a couple of them up there and uh, yeah so every week actually this was this new student orientation but every week we go on campus with this team and the idea is simply to meet new students and so in the crowd, the whole objective is to be around as many not yet believers as possible and spend time with them sharing the gospel and, and trying to find those that are already open spiritually. And so um, when we do these English quizzes on campus to meet new people, we give away as prizes USB drives. And on these USB drives are the gospel presentation and other little video clips and things. And um, Carpenter's Way partnered with yeah. us getting some of these USB drives. We had a total of like 1,200, and I think you guys sent several hundred yeah. um, to us that you were able, we were able to put the gospel literally into students' hands um, through those drives that you guys provided. So that's something that you guys did, and we're really thankful for that. It was, it was, it was a really awesome project, and people really responded to it. Our, we have this uh, uh, social media page. Uh, it's called Contactia. Um, it's like their uh, copy of Facebook, <laughs> and um, they our numbers just boosted like crazy from those. Uh, we we had advertisements on the USB drives. We had video clips um, in Russian. We had the gospel. We had the Book of John, and uh, it was it was pretty awesome. So. Yeah. So thank you, church, for partnering with us in that way. 
Uh, maybe you didn't even know you did it, um, but there are some of you in the church that put together the funds for that and, and maybe even the loading of the uh, USBs, and it's an incredible amount of work to get that all sent over to us, and we're really grateful. 200 people received a message of the gospel, and out of those 200, every single one of them also had a conversation with us, so we don't just hand those out. And so the, a lot of those were even gospel conversations, and so we want to thank you for being a part of that with us and uh, partnering with us in that way. Uh, another way that we are spending our time, um, have been spending our time in the crowd is um, going to what they call anti-cafes. And there's a lot of these in the city of St. Petersburg. So if you're looking for a good business venture, this would be something great to start here in Lufkin. Uh, they have these things called anti-cafes where you go and you don't pay for coffee or snacks or all that stuff's free. You can have as much as you want. Um, you just pay for your time that you're in the cafe. And these, these are like, these are booming in Europe right now. There's probably 25 of them in the city of St. Petersburg right now. And they all have different themes. They're kind of eclectic and I don't know, what's the word, hipster or whatever. Um, and <laughs> but they are super fun. The students love it because they can pay like an equivalent of a couple of dollars and just hang out and study and play games or, you know, and drink seven cups of tea and um, and just 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 be with people because they don't have great living situations. There's not a lot of places really to just hang out like that. Um, and so they're looking for places like this. And so we, we go there to just literally just to meet people and 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 it's a great opportunity to uh, you know make relationships and play games and invite them to our events and share the word of God with them and then on Tuesday nights we've been hosting an English movie night for students who are trying to learn English so there's a picture of our English movie night on Tuesday nights and again the idea is simply to be around lost students um, we call them not yet believers because we believe that the Lord is drawing them to himself and, uh, and so we don't necessarily teach English, but we watch an English movie and have conversation starters about the English movie that always lead to a spiritual conversation. And then the next thing that we're doing that you have also partnered with us on is what we call Connect Cafe or Cafe Connect. And uh, we actually rent our own facility for Friday nights and basically host our own anti-cafe. It's totally free for students to come and hang out with us. We make coffee drinks. Uh, we built a little coffee bar in the space and... Uh, give out free coffee drinks, and we play games. And Sound familiar to anyone? This is <laughs> Somehow coffee is always a part of my <laughs> ministry. So, uh, so we play games with them, and then there's always a spiritual conversation starter where we um, have an opportunity to just, just hear from people and see what God is already doing in their hearts. Is he already drawing them to himself? And so there's some photos of that. And the way you've been partnering with us is that um, Carpenter's Way now for over three years has been contributing financially monthly um, to re renting this space and to helping us host um, this cafe. And so we want to, again, just say thank you to this church for coming behind us and, and, and supporting us and being a part of the work that we've been doing. Then we do various student outreach parties where we're hosting picnics, and um, this is a carting party that we did where we took students out carting. It's go-karting. They call it carting. Yeah. Carting. Carting, which, by the way, in America, I guess we, we've got so many laws and lawsuits that it's not really maybe that much fun to go do this. In but Russia, in Russia, this, this is awesome. It's, I mean, it's, it's like, dangerous. Oh, like, like cheeks flying behind you. Like. If you can't tell, we're wearing um, fire jackets, and they have fire hoods, and you've got real helmets, and you're inside a 40-story you know, building. There's no governors on these cars, yeah. okay? They, they, they go... They, go highway fast. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. 
and it's in the top of an apartment complex. I mean, they've just got a whole floor, they've just turned into a racetrack, and it's kind of slick. I mean, you really could kill somebody. And uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and uh, students love to do it with us. And so the whole idea, again, is just to be around students who we can, we can have conversations about Christ. Because it is Russia, so <laughs> you can, you know, there is no law. <laughs> <laughs> There's certainly no lawsuits. Uh, so the next part is the core. And so when we meet students in this crowd, as we're spending time every week, m more of our time is spent in the crowd where we're just out trying to meet new people. Um, and as we meet those who show that interest spiritually, we throw out some kind of golden nugget is how we call it, and they grab onto that, and they're willing to have that conversation. They're willing to talk about the Bible or to talk about Christ. Then they get to be a part of this core group. And the core group really has two parts to it. Uh, one is camps. Um, and so you guys have helped us do camps before you we took a team here while we were here at Carpenter's Way and then you sent a team to do an English camp and these are some of the photos from the camps that we've been doing and the biggest part of what we do at camp is called Bible discussion groups and that's the the second part of the core is that anyone who has shown interest in spiritual conversations we invite them to discuss the Bible with us and it's kind of like a glorified like um like a book club um you know this book is very famous they're not, um, Russians are, are very educated people, they're very interested in different things people, and they come at it as a like um, psychological experiment. Like, let's figure out why there's so many people that are so obsessed with this Bible and why it's been so famous for so long. And, and so they come at it um, in, the, in this funny angle sometimes. The people that come to, to group and they're interested in coming to camp, we're very open about, you know, we're going to have a, a Bible discussion time at camp. It's very open. There's rules about, you know, you can't... Um, uh, you know, tell somebody what to believe or anything. You know, we come at it this very uh, for, for all faiths type of discussion. But the Bible itself leads that for you because um, even though we're not like, no, that's not what it says in the book of Leviticus or whatever. You know, we're, we're studying a chapter, a passage in, in the book of John, or we're not studying. You know, we're looking at it, we're reading it, we're answering some questions about it. And the chapter itself is talking about the fact that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus can heal and that Jesus forgives. And, um, and so we just say, well, actually, you know, let's, uh, what, what does this, you know, this part of the story say? You know, you don't have to go back and be a theologian. You just skip, skip, you know, go back to what we're reading and talking about there. And uh, it, it's been really cool to watch um, people come to the table with this discussion, completely atheist, completely like maybe even wanting to convince us of how, you know, cultish this whole Bible thing is, you know, and to watch the Word of God change them because the Word of God is inspired and by the Holy Spirit and He changes people's lives and He changes people's hearts and we don't have to do a whole lot of convincing other than pointing them back to God's Word. And, uh, and so we watch people come through our camps, and norm a lot of people from the camps will come to our weekly uh, Bible discussion groups. And we watch that um, the Word of God just pierce people's hearts over and over and over again. And that is how we have seen mm -hmm. people come to know the Lord, the people that have been involved in this. You know, we met them in the crowd. We threw out some spiritual golden nuggets, and they either took it because they were super hungry or took it because they were super skeptical and they were you know using us as a research project or something and and we watched the word of god do what it does mm -hmm. and uh yeah we found that's what what has been most successful in saint pete was seeing people accept christ 
has not been just random sharing of the gospel, although we, we do that with anybody we meet, we share the gospel, but we, we tell our volunteers all the time that it's consistent exposure to the word of God and the presence of credible witnesses. And I believe that's true in Russia, I believe that's true in almost all of Europe, and I believe it's true even here, that the way people are accepting Christ today in postmodern world is hearing the gospel, but also consistent exposure to the word of God and the presence of credible witnesses. Um, so in this part of the funnel, as Catherine was saying, we can tell you countless stories of atheists or really argumentative people coming and just wanting to hash it out with us. And we, in the beginning, we relied upon our apologetics and our argumentative skills to try to convince them, and it didn't work. And uh, as we just... Because Russians are really good at debate. And they love to debate. Really, really good at it. And, uh, and so we just stopped doing that, and we let the Word of God speak for itself, and we just had discussions about the scripture and over the course of just really sometimes only just a few weeks of being with us and reading the Bible you see these argumentative guys begin to be pierced by the word of God in their hearts and changed by that and what's neat is is once that's happened to them a new argumentative person will come in and they'll be saying some of the same things this person right here was saying and before I can even speak up he says no you need to look and see what it says <laughs> right here in the text that's not what it says you can't you can't say that and it's amazing to see um, just how God uses his word to penetrate the hearts of people. We normally start out with like the miracle stories um, and you know, just keep it real simple. We answer a few questions like uh, what, is this, what does this say about who God is? What does this say about who people are? And um, what is this, uh, how does this apply to your life? Um, what is the other one? How can you share it? How, yeah, how can you apply this to your life? How can you, who will you share it with this week? So even when they're not believers, I mean, mo almost 80% of the people that come to our group are not believers. So we do have some national believers that come to sh and, and participate and share their faith in this way. Um, but um, even at that point, we're asking people to, like, it's like the point of discipleship before they're fully a disciple. Where we're already um, had this multiplication factor in it, where you are already sharing um, the word of God, like spreading the seed, even if it's not fully planted in them, they're still spreading it because, uh, and, and a lot of them are really interested to, to tell what they had read in this very interesting um, book and, uh, and they, they share it. And it's, 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 it's really cool because once they do trust the Lord and they find him as their savior, um, they're already a disciple maker. Does that make sense? They're not, okay, now I'm going to go through discipleship classes. They're already um, disciples who make disciples, and it's pretty cool. So from here, as students are exposed to the gospel and to the word of God, um, and they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, they become part of what we call the community. The, the third C is our community group, and this is simply a group of um, young people that meet in our apartment on Sunday evenings, and um, we worship together, we pray together, uh, we do the same type of Bible discussion, except much deeper, and there's a whole lot more accountability for being obedient to the Scripture and for sharing outside of the group. Um, and so this is a picture of our community group. That And, and what's neat about this, we love this group of students, and we're going to miss them a lot. Um, for those of you who don't know, we'll share that news in a minute. But the, uh, the people in this room, um, quite a few of them, have come all the way through this funnel where they, we met them in the crowd, and they uh, were open. They heard the gospel. They came to camp started reading the Bible with us, came weekly to our Bible discussion groups, accepted Christ, and then have worship for the first time right there in our apartment as Catherine has led them in worship um, in Russian. And it's been just beautiful to be a part of that. And uh, You know, actually two of these girls that have 
been in our community group and are the ones that are keeping this going now while we're, on, while we're here in the States. Um, we met on a very first English camp that we did when we were still ministers here at this church. Yeah. That we, the ones that we went out together, there was a group of 20 of us. So and those of you who know, I'm that's Dasha, <laughs> Dasha and Laura. I'm, look, I'm looking at Miss White over there, yeah. and uh, um, she roomed with uh, Dasha and Lara in, um, in the camp. And Lara, Dasha was a brand new believer that had come to the camp, and Lara had never heard the gospel before. And they put it together, and she stayed up the whole darn week. She never slept sharing the gospel with them and then dasha and laura became very good friends and she spent the rest of the summer um hashing out the gospel with with laura did with dasha and came to know the lord several months later and by the time we had actually moved to russia um laura was on fire for the lord and ready to be used Uh, by him they're a part of this community group and they're they're big leaders in our campus connect uh, ministry that we've been leading there and are the ones that will carry on the torch and continue to do the work so we need to finish uh, because we're out of time, but the last one is church. Um, so the bottom, bottom part of the funnel is church, and obviously everything's working towards that. We want the community group to become a church as they begin to self-identify as that themselves. Um, and then we're also, we've been a part of a Russian Baptist Union church um, on Sunday mornings, and our whole idea there is to be fed ourselves as much as we can in a Russian-speaking church, um, but also to encourage believers in that church to be a part of this whole process with us, inviting them out um, onto the campuses and into the crowd and, and into the core and into the community. And so that's been our responsibility there at the church. I was going to have us tell you a couple of stories of um, folks who have accepted Christ, but instead, uh, since we're out of time, we've already been telling some you, stories. You already said all this. You already said the story. Come on, come on. Okay, this is Andre. Uh, Andre came um, to a camp and heard the gospel, began in, being interested in reading the Bible with us, and then have, has met with me weekly for over two years to read the Bible. He's a lawyer, and uh, about two months before we came back, finally accepted Christ. And you might have seen him in one of the pictures. I don't know if he was there on that day or not, but he's been coming to the community group, and it's been beautiful to watch him worship God for the first time, sitting in our living room. It's been, it's been amazing. Oh, here's Sophia. We met her actually this summer through summer volunteers, summer students that get to go out, and they just hit the city all night, not really, you know, every evening where we're putting babies to bed and stuff. And anyways, they met Sophia um, through, I think, going to campus and doing yeah, surveys. And, uh, and she went, they invited her Bible discussion group right, a, right away because she was, you know, spiritually interested. And, and she, you know, came and she was very, very interested, very interested. She went to our fall camp that we did. We did a fall English camp. And there she accepted the Lord with joy. I mean, just so ready. She's like, I've been, I've been, I've been ready. I've been, I've been, been waiting for somebody to, to help me with this and uh, and uh, and yeah. she's part of this community group of just just young believers that um, God snatched up and somehow used us to be a part of his process of saving people so we now have some big news to share with you um, from our family we left Russia um, in the middle of December coming back here to Texas fully expecting that God would have us return to Russia so we have an apartment there full of stuff and um, and uh, God is calling us to make a trip back to finish out things and close out some stuff, but to um, move to Alabama. So we're coming home, but not to Texas. This will be our first time to, to live in another state. Um, but God is calling us to go and serve as a missions pastor at River, River Tree Church in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, so northern Alabama. And, uh, and it, it, We are very excited yeah. and very sad. Yeah. 
and uh, it's been, um, as, as some of you know, the International Mission Board has been going through a lot of uh, uh, personnel changes, and um, they had been over budget for m how many years? Eight years or so, and um, anyways, they, they started this process in September of asking everybody to put a blank check out for the Lord to say, um, you know, could, could I use my skill set and my call for missions in a different way? And we, we were kind of skeptical at the beginning, you know, saying, yeah, I don't know about this. And the first process was volunteer retirement, and they had an incentive for people to retire early. And 600 missionaries from the IMB left from that volunteer retirement. And uh, we uh, now this process is the hand-raising opportunity, and this is uh, not something that we actually expected to be a part of, but in the spirit of the blank check, the fleece out for the Lord, we sent out this one resume to a church. If I come back to America, um, I want to be an advocate to the nations, and... Uh, and we want to we want to uh, continue spreading the gospel to all the world, to the community around us, and to, and to all the world. And uh, and so um, we sent out one resume, and we didn't know that that was going to actually turn out to be um, God's actual plan for us. <laughs> um, so, so we're but, excited about this new opportunity <laughs> of getting to lead this church um, to do missions, and and they've got a lot of international partners, so we'll be taking teams um, every year to the Dominican Republic and to Poland and back to Russia and to Uganda even as early as June. And, and so we're really excited about that. And, uh, but at the same time, really um, mourning that we won't be going back and being a part of the ministry that we've been leading there. But God knew this, and he's been raising up nationals to take this over. And, and really it's better that way. It's a lot more reproducible when they take over and they lead. And so we're excited about what God is doing that. So we want to ask you to pray for us during this really hard transition. Uh, these next couple of months are going to be intense as we make a trip back to Russia, uh, pack up our apartment, and then start life over in Alabama. Uh, we sold everything we owned again for the second time to go to Russia, and we thought we'd be there for a really long time. And so this, 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 this transition of coming back it will be difficult. So please pray for us and all of that. Um, but really, just to close, we want to say thank you to this church. Um, you really are our family, and uh, um, it's good to be back, and it's good to think about how much this church has supported us. Many of you in the church have sent us messages to encourage us at moments where uh, you didn't even know we needed it. And uh, so supporting us financially monthly, but being a part of sending the USB drives and sending a team and, and all the things that you've done to just love us and to, and to let us be your missionaries for these past few years. Um, so we just want to stand before you this morning and say thank you. And I want to pray for the church now, if you'll let me do that. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today for this church, for the people in it that we love so much, for the opportunity to hug their necks and to just say um, thank you for letting us serve alongside of them these five years here at this church, but also for supporting us as we were called to go to Russia. And uh, Lord, we, we know that this means there will be a lot less chances to come here and to speak and to, to see our family here, so we, we mourn that. We mourn the loss of not going back and, and being a part of the ministry in Russia, but God, we're excited about what you're doing, and we choose to be obedient to you. And, uh, and we, just, we just pray over this church, God, that they would continue uh, to just push forward into making the gospel accessible in all places, to all people, and to all nations. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask our, uh, we have a few elders out of town, but if I can have the elders come up, we're going to pray over them. Um, as they do, I just want to point out that... <clears throat> When we take our offerings, 
it, it doesn't just go to paying light bills here. This is what it goes for. And um, that's the first thing. Number, number two is uh, they represent for the next few months the IMB, which we support. They have had 10,000 missionaries in the states and globally that we support, people you'll never meet. And they're doing this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, number three, you guys are going to be phenomenal. They are blessed to have you. The church is blessed to have you. And uh, I know your gift set. I've worked with you. And uh, missions is changing globally. Now, you're going to hear my opinion. But it used to be that we would send people and they'd go to China for the rest of their lives and they'd do ministry. The wisest thing we can do now is go disciple people, see them saved, then, ha then turn it over to them because being an American citizen is a problem now in the world. Mm -hmm. it, it's not as clean. And they're in Russia. And uh, I remember when things got a little weird a few years ago, people from our church were asking them on Facebook, hey, how are you guys doing? You just can't ask those questions anymore. And so to leave and to go, and one thing you'll never understand unless you've been in full-time ministry, and we have a couple dozen people here who have, is you're God's pawn on a chessboard. He can move you wherever he wants, and people don't understand that. But I am so excited for you guys. I mean, to, to, to take what you've learned in your experience twice in, in this very difficult country and then to pour into the lives of Americans who are going to be able to go short-term and full-term is an ama amazing blessing. And you both are gifted very well in that way. And uh, you're going to do fantastic. And we're very proud of you. Um, so let's pray for them. Um, there is no secrets. I want to say that again. There, there's no hate. There's no hate between them and the Russian people and their ministry there. They're leaving behind those people you saw. And uh, we, how cool is it that we're going to meet those people in heaven for real? Two, two of those kids. And if every penny that the IMB spent on this couple and every penny we spent each month sending them support, two people are saved. What's a soul worth? I mean, what, what we're doing here every week is going on in Russia right now, and they got to be a part of that, and they're going to send more people. So thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And, and I've learned since I've been here that to be a Texan living in Alabama is not good. It's just, it's going to be, it's a little bit like California without the beach. So good luck on that. That's going to, but you're still our family. We're still supportive. We're very proud of you. And uh, we're glad you're coming back to the States. And we need to pray for who God's going to replace them with, however he replaces them. And uh, I just, I just was so excited when Justin and Catherine wanted to share because you just need to know when that plate comes by, it is not about Carpenter's Way. That's, uh, that's, just a, that's just a portion of where it goes to. We disciple and send and we support and then we, it's just such a privilege. And I know a lot of you are involved in Mosaic. That is just as much a ministry as they've been involved in. And Pregnancy Help Center, just as much a ministry. And then you've got Yesu Potom. Justin is the one who introduced me to him. How did you meet him? Oh. By chance? No, I don't know. <laughs> but you remember you took me on my first major no, international trip. They had a connection here already, a family yeah, that's here. right, Mary and that's Chuck. Right. And, then, and then Justin took me over, and I'm, I'm, I'm following through the airport going, what am I doing here? Does it bother you, Justin? Those people are burked out. Ah, oh, we're fine. I mean, he took me on my first mission trip. So the impact you've had on this church and now our mission heart here has a lot to do with you two. And you're going to do that in Alabama where they need it really bad. <laughs> I mean, they, they just do. So you thought Russia was hard. They have an accent over there. So let's... Uh, Kip, uh, as our chairman, I'm going to ask you to pray for them. Let's get around them, men, and let's, uh, let's, let's just pray for them. God, Heavenly Father, it is a blessing to be here. And I thank you so much for bringing Justin and Catherine and their family back to us safe and sound. And, Lord, where they've left, they've left the breadcrumbs of your word, and they've left the breadcrumb, Lord, of followers, and they've followed you faithfully, God. 
And we thank you for that, their willingness to be used by you. Because, God, it's all about you and not about us. And as soon as we can come to that realization, the better off we'll be. God, I pray for them as they leave Russia, that you would take over the ministry there with locals, and that you'd make it profitable for your, your glory, God, because we have faith in you that you'll do that. Lord, beyond that, I pray for safe travels. I pray, God, that as they move to Alabama, that you would use them there and continue to keep their hearts open. And, God, it would continue to be about you and not about them because I know their hearts are for you, God. They've moved out of their comfort zone many, many times. We continue to be willing to do that. And, God, you have a way of moving us out of our comfort zone in such a way that you are glorified. And we can only say, man, that wasn't me. There's no way I could have done that because I sure wasn't happy doing it. I wasn't comfortable doing it. Yet, God, you're glorified through it. And so we continue to pray that you be glorified because that's what it's all about. So, Lord, as they move, as they uh, travel, take care of their finances, God. I pray that you'd take care of their family. I pray that you'd take care of their safety. I pray that you would take care, God, of their mental state and their family's mental state for parents, Lord, as grandparents, as I know that there has to be a lot of uncomfortable things there, but they've probably gotten out of their comfort zone a long time before now. Thanks, God, for hearing us. We pray for blessings. We ask this in your heavenly name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a good Sunday.